This episode is a hour-long bit of audio that we captured while conducting a programming town hall with our membership at Ironstone. During the town hall, we encouraged people to come with questions after we explained what our class structure programming looks like for CrossFit and what the summer had in store for them. The audio isn't perfect, but the topic is excellent. Enjoy. So the context part, the important part to remember when you're thinking about programming at the gym, as far as like overall goes, is that CrossFit is not a sport at its core. CrossFit was designed and built as a fitness program. Everyone's good. Should be lots of nods there. It's meant to make people as fit as possible for as long as possible in their lives. That's the core of CrossFit. Um, and the class programming at the gym reflects that. So the idea of the class programming is to increase overall fitness for as many people as solidly as possible. Not as quick, but as efficiently as possible. Efficient class programming and effective class programming doesn't mean necessarily individualized class programming. So if you have very specific weaknesses, the overall group class programming isn't necessarily going to make you, the individual, Al, Eugene, whoever, as fit as you could possibly be in as short a time as possible. Because it's meant to address the overall needs of the group, right? Anything you do for the group can't necessarily fix the very small problems of the individual. That's how it works, right? Mass healthcare, needs of the group, right? Right, Frank? So the idea is that we're trying to efficiently deliver fitness to as many people as possible. And fitness is increased work capacity across bride, time, and modal domains. That's the idea. Increased work capacity. And that is a lot of variance. We aren't training for something specific. We are literally training for as broad a base of fitness as possible. So that's, you know, everyday work, endurance, sport. It's a broad base building program. That's what the class program is designed to address. The competitors track adds the volume and the extra focus required for people who are interested in competing in the sport of CrossFit or the sport of fitness or whatever you want to call it. That door. Woo. I know. Um, turn the cold. Uh, I think it runs just on fan, and the the fan back there definitely runs on cold. If you want to turn that on. The little remote's uh, right behind Frank on the table. Uh, like the, black one. the black one. So the idea is that the competitor's track is supposed to add the extra focus on the specific skills required to be very good at the competitive idea of CrossFit, right? So it creates a bit of a disconnect. If you are only doing the class programming, the idea is that you are here for general overall fitness, right? If you really want to be competitive at this sport thing, then you need to do more than just the class programming. That's the way it's set up. You can't get it all in one hour, five times a week, and expect to be super competitive in this sport. That makes sense to everybody, right? And the nice little hidden panel here at the bottom is the, is the pop question, the, the tricky surprise at the end of this line of thinking. Drum roll, please. 
This might be a surprise to people, but the Open is a competition. <sighs> right. So, the logic gap here is that people come to class five times a week for one hour a day, and then they show up and they do the Open, and they wonder how they didn't do as well as they liked, or how the Open crushed them, or how other people in class beat them by so much. The Open is a CrossFit competition. You're judged and scored, and people are bringing their A-game, their absolute best version of themselves, to compete in this thing. They're gaming the workouts. That means they're attacking the workouts in such a way as to maximize their score, not necessarily for the best training opportunity, the same way you would approach a workout in class. For example, people that did the strict handstand push-ups this year, almost everyone that was mediocre at strict handstand push-ups did singles right from the very beginning. In class, that would never happen, right? Training and testing are two very different environments. The open is a competition, not class. Class is not a competition. Class is a training opportunity. It's an opportunity to increase your overall fitness. So if you want to do as good as possible in the open as a goal, you have to recognize that the open is a competition. It has specific parameters. There's only about 21 movements they use in the open. Overall fitness, the thing we train for in class, has way more variance because it's not about training specifically for the open, a specific competition. The open, you can even go even further down the rabbit hole and say it's not even just a CrossFit competition. It is the most specific version of one you can find based on the types of movements you're likely to see, the time domains, all of that stuff, right? There's not going to be running ever because they can't follow you around with the camera. Your judge can't chase you down the street and make sure you ran. <laughs> then they're getting tested at the same time. Like there's the open will never be that. Um, so there's always a set number of movements and people that do well in the open maximize their proficiency in those specific time domains and movements. If you're unhappy with your performance in the open, but you came to classes the whole year, you need to recognize that class workouts were not designed to maximize your open performance. They were designed to increase your overall fitness as much as possible in the year within very broad parameters, not just this very focused thing. Does that make sense, everybody? We're there so far? Yeah. So the idea is that if you really want to do well at the open, you need to do extra work to focus on the open-specific skills you're likely to see, and they're very easy to identify if you look at previous year's workouts. Now, that's not saying that you won't do much better than the year before and the year before that and the year before that just by doing class. Uh, there are many people that only did the class workouts that did much better this year than they did years before and did years before. They did repeat workouts better. They um, learned new skills. They were able to try new things. Uh, M's in the back did bar muscle ups in a workout, like in the open. That's craziness, right? You will get better only coming to class. It's just the speed of that incline is much more gradual, and it's what we call the long trajectory on a distant horizon. We're aiming to be as fit as possible for as long as possible. As soon as you decide you want to be competitive at something, volume and speed goes up, but so does injury risk and the other things that go along with it. And that's something everyone should recognize. The more volume you start to add, the more high-level skills you start to perform regularly under fatigue, the higher injury risk, of course, becomes. Everyone gets that? All right. So that's block one of the intro. Block two is over my head. Let me go to this side. <clears throat> How to maximize the programming. 
So the first part is recognizing what the point of a specific piece of the programming is. Broad intent. And there's three categories. Oh, doggy distraction. Oh, everyone collectively panic for 30 seconds. <laughs> so come on and lick everybody. So broad brush intent. There's three main categories, three main buckets that you need to think of in, in your training cycle. There's practice, there's training, and there's testing. Pie chart. Hooray. Training should make up 65 to 70% of everything we do. Pure training. That means dedicated time focusing on being better in the future. Not today, not better than yesterday. It's intent with being better in the future. So you're doing workouts, following a specific stimulus, trying to maximize that thing to be better down the road. That's training. Practice is untimed reinforcement of skills, right? The, the goal is not to do as quickly as possible or as many reps as possible or as much weight as possible. The goal is to become better overall at that thing through movement. Practice time will represent about 20% of what we do, approximately, right? Practice time is when you go from being able to barely perform a strict handstand push-up to being able to eventually do them in a workout. Practice time is that slice. Testing is the last 10%. Testing is should be rare, right? So that's maximal efforts, trying to maximize your score, demonstrate your performance or improvement, sell it all, you know, die on the floor, not want to do anything else that day. Testing should be about 10% of what we do. To connect some ideas here, not recognizing the intent. If you come to class every day and compete with other people in the room, right? So you're in a class setting, but you're competing with other people in the room. And you're trying to get the absolute best score of the day, the top of the leaderboard, and the best score you could ever put up. You are not training in that class. You are testing yourself, right? If your goal during that session is to maximize your score, you're not training anymore. Everyone's good there. And the problem with that approach is if you win, win, quotation marks, all the class workouts, top the leaderboard all the time, and then you come into the open and you don't win the leaderboard anymore, there's a few reasons for that. It's not necessarily that you're suddenly less or more fit or the other people in the room suddenly like switched on you. It's that they were matching the intent of the workout. They were not testing against you when you were trying to win everything, right? They were trying to maximize their performance that day. And the open tends to reward high-level skills performed at moderate to high volume. So if you're missing skills but overall very fit, your score isn't likely to be very high in the open, even if you're broadly defined extremely fit. So you have to recognize the intent. The second thing is virtuosity. The, doing the, uncommon th or the common thing uncommonly well, the idea of putting your best effort forward but I really want to expand that to two concepts. The first is the quality of your movement. So there's lots of people that work really hard, but don't necessarily hold themselves to a high movement standard. Ranges of motion, rep counts, you know, precision with how high wall balls hit on targets, all of that stuff. In a training environment, that stuff doesn't matter as long as you meet the stimulus of the workout. But if you can't replicate that same movement quality under testing conditions, then you're not training for the right thing if you want to compete. If you want to be competitive, 
you need to ensure that you're maximizing movement quality because you're going to be judged on that movement quality when the time comes. Does that make sense, everybody? So that's squat depth, you know, overhead position, all that stuff. The higher quality, the higher our movement quality, the longer our trajectory for improvement is. So if we don't move that well, we'll still progress gradually, maybe even rapidly in the beginning. But there'll be a plateau where we won't be able to progress anymore because our movement quality will limit how far we can progress in that thing. I'll put my hand up as a perfect example of that bar muscle ups right now. My movement quality in the bar muscle up isn't perfect. It isn't virtuous. So I have that little chicken wing kind of arm pop thing. So under fatigue, when core is really tired, arms are really tired, breathing really heavy, because I don't move that well in the bar muscle up, I'm likely to break down and not perform as well as I would like to in that movement in a testing condition, right? Virtuosity in the gym also means mastering the basics as far as, um, you know, all the time domains and movements go. And that doesn't mean like getting the skill. That means respecting the need to step back and do things that seem like they might be at a lower level. Example, ring rows instead of strict pull-ups, right? Just because you have something doesn't mean you can't work on the fundamental skills that make you stronger and better prepared to do those other things. So if you can do three strict pull-ups, but you can also only do three ring rows, it's likely that you're going to get much better strict pull-ups by going back and focusing on being able to do sets of 10 to 20 ring rows with really good shoulder position because it's, it's also equally as likely that the reason you can't do strict pull-ups is because you can't hold your shoulder blades together effectively behind your back, right? You give up the shoulder. Neck goes away. So stepping backwards and working on the building blocks is important, and that leads to the idea of scaling in class and getting those scales appropriately matched to where you are for your fitness level. Level 1, level 2, RX scaled, all those concepts don't matter. What matters is getting the stimulus right. So if you're supposed to do 50 reps of pulling, upper body pulling of some kind in a very short window, let's say three to five minutes, whether it's pull-ups or ring rows doesn't matter as much as whether you meet that stimulus. So if you have to do level one and do ring rows, that's what you do. You have to do some hybrid version. If it's, if it's chest bar pull-ups and you have to do some hybrid version and do pull-ups instead, that's what you do. Even though for most people, if you're stuck in that kind of chest bar pull-up gap, you might get more bang for your buck by going back to ring rows because ring rows force you to finish the last four inches of the movement, which you don't do with regular pull-ups, right? So trying to get the scale right and the stimulus and the intent is an important part of this. And always trying to RX things or always trying to do level two, even though it's going to cause you to miss the stimulus or miss the intent, is kind of a lost cause. It'll lead to slow progress long-term. Programming is the last piece. So we're talking about programming right now. I'm a programming nerd. I love this stuff. But I would be it would be dishonest for me to stand up here and say programming is the most important thing in your fitness journey. It really isn't. Uh, there's like 20 things that I could put on the list before programming. Consistency with your attendance, diet, effort, meeting the intent of the workout. All those things matter way more than, you know my programming or something you find online or another gym down the road. If you just regularly attend, meet the intent, work as hard as you can, master the basics, all that stuff is going to come way before how many times you did 
a certain time domain or pulling in a, in a set window of time and what the cycle looks like and all the stuff we're going to talk about here, right? Programming is the last piece. And the last thing is that the way our program is designed, you can cherry pick the programming to make it work better for you. Good example. You want to get stronger. You think you need to get stronger. The, the thing you don't need to do necessarily is go try and add a whole strength program outside of what we already offer. If you scrutinize the competitor's track, there's an extra three days a week of strength programming already built into the competitor's track that layers perfectly over top of the programming that's already here. It's designed to fit with it. It's not going to mess up your next days. It's going to follow the same ebbs and flows and progress. If you really love weightlifting, this isn't a knock on the weightlifting team. I want people that want to weightlift competitively to go join the weightlifting team if that's your thing. But if you are a CrossFitter who happens to like weightlifting, the thing to do is not to go join the weightlifting team. It's to do the extra weightlifting volume that is built into the competitor's track two more days a week on top of the other things we're already doing. It fits into the program the same way. It's not going to screw things up. It's not going to add extra squatting or pulling volume that shouldn't be there based on the ebbs and flows of the rest of the programming. So if you just want to weightlift more, cherry pick the weightlifting pieces out of the competitor's track and do those. If you just want to get stronger on top of attending the regular class programming and getting better conditioning, cherry pick the strength pieces out of the programming. If you want to work on your engine, cherry pick those bits and so on and so on. There's not many people that have the full two hours to two hours and 15 minutes every day, five days a week to follow the programming and an extra day of active recovery to throw on top of it, right? Sorry, back up. We go to the programming as the last piece. There's a whole layer of like uh, recovery, eating, mobility work that I didn't even talk about there that still matters more than the programming as well. So there's all that stuff. Make the programming work for you by kind of cherry picking your way through the pieces you need. The weightlifting technique class on Sundays is the best time to go get coached by the weightlifting coach if that's what you're looking for, specific feedback on your weightlifting, not to do it in isolation. You want to target that weightlifting technique class because that's what it's about technical reinforcement. The team training sessions are designed to get them to match the percentages they need to meet on a weekly basis to predict their total in competition on the, plas on the platform. So all he does is figure out what he wants their totals to be and work backward and help them figure out what percentages to follow exactly and when and watches them do it and gives them feedback and coaching. But that whole process of team training for weightlifting is designed to get people to competition day peaked at a certain time, right? It's not consistent volume-based weightlifting designed to get you better necessarily as a weightlifter. That's, that's the volume of training that's for all the time. Picking little pieces out of that program isn't going to cut it. Good? We're, all, we're good there? All right. I'll, I'll stop there and open for questions on my primer before we talk about what the summer's going to look like. And then it's open forum yelling questions. No, kidding. Anyone have any questions? Anything? Come on. Frank. So um, you're talking about like cherry picking and, and um, I guess being consistent as being probably stuff that's more important than the program itself. Um, for people that might not be able to attend the actual full programming of coming here four times during the weekday and plus minus sometimes over the weekend, um, is there a way that you can cherry pick without cherry picking? Like if you still want to, I guess, perform and improve your fitness. Mm -hmm. I know at, like, at a competitive level, maybe 
that might not be an option for some people. But for like everyday fitness, for, like, for example, me, like I, there's weeks that I'm able to come here once a week, and there's weeks I can come here four times a week. Is there a way for me to cherry pick in a way that's going to be positive rather than me being like, oh, like this looks fine, I'm going to do this this one instead, or yeah, so. I'll make it really personal with my answer to you, but it's going to apply to a lot of people. So Frank has a gym in his apartment complex, right? That allows him a little bit more wiggle room than a lot of people. But there are some types of workouts that you can change or modify very small aspects of it in and foreseeably do some version of that thing at home, right? So like last week there was push-ups and lunges was the conditioning piece. Everyone can do that in a yoga mat in their living room. Some people in the room even did do it in a yoga mat in their living room. So like picking out pieces that are specifically written, making very small modifications and doing it in whatever version of environment you can do it. If it's your gym downstairs, whatever, that's one way to tackle it. The other part to remember is that conditioning, metabolic conditioning is the base of all fitness, right? If we think about like where most people need to start, it's being more conditioned. More conditioning allows you more blood flow, innervation, better recovery, allows you to train more volume. There's many reasons that just working on your raw conditioning is the most important building block. So running, you know, <laughs> hiking, the basic stuff that keeps your overall metabolic conditioning, your, your endurance up is the, the most important part to maintain if you're not going to get in here routinely during those windows. And then maximizing the weeks that you have available, cherry picking specifically the things you know you can't do anywhere else. Right? So if you know, like, I have an extra hour today, there was extra squats programmed yesterday, in we go. Does that make sense? Can I just add, because yeah. that's something that goes. I think the biggest part, too, is, like, your mental state and not beating yourself up too much just because you can only come once or twice. So maximize that once or twice, hit it hard, and then know you'll make it up later. Yeah. Long trajectory, right? Like, it's the idea that, the small things we do this week, this month, even this year, in like the hopefully very long lifetimes we have, allow us to like choose some things like getting a finishing our you know residency over other things in the short term because you'll hopefully get to pick this back up later. <laughs> right? Good, really good question. Everyone just wants to reveal because there's big white squares on the on the board, right? You just did a really good job at explaining it. So I don't think, like, I personally like, okay, great. What's next? What's next? I don't know if anybody else feels that way. I'm like, I don't know what I could ask because you did a really good job. Well, thank you. Sunday at 1.30. <laughs> You're welcome. 1.30. Sorry, weightlifting's at 1.30. Um, the last thing I'll say on the programming, kind of like general uh piece is that I, I really do want to reinforce that class programming is designed for overall broad fitness and that's a great thing and in fact if we look at the characteristics of a gym the people that recognize that or don't recognize that are also probably the people that aren't in this room right now so like we have 260 members at ironstone 74 people did the open so like if you want to conceptualize what the open means to you that's great but as a gym you got to recognize that Broad, inclusive, overall fitness is what most people are after. Only a small segment of us care about this open thing, right? You know, mastering our inner demons or whatever this whole process is about. You included. Me included. But that said, the programming does in some ways adjust based on the weaknesses we see 
from the Open. Because the Open, in a broad sense, is a test of the gym's programming by what weaknesses it reveals on mass for most people. Does that make sense to everybody? So if I look at how everyone performs, and I look at our group, and I have, from year to year, I'm able to recognize patterns based on types of people that are consistent attendees and et cetera, et cetera. So like last year, my overall assessment is that we were strong and good at weightlifting, <laughs> decent at high technical skill gymnastics, but we were missing in the engine department last year. And we did more engine work overall this year than we've ever done before. Not surprisingly, we had eight men and three women score in the top 95th percentile of the world in the engine workout, the wall ball and rowing workout, which is a huge jump from the similar workout last year where we did, where we had the rowing toes to bar and hang dumbbell clean and jerks, which was arguably the engine workout of that year as well, based on the time domain. So as a whole, as a, a group, our peak performance in that specific kind of event type improved this year based on the adjustments that were made to the programming. Strength, although it's A, super fun, B, easy to see progress because you get to see the weight go up, and uh, C, easy to consistently get good at because we, you are performing the exact same movements under moderate to low fatigue. Overall, when we talk about open performance, doesn't really predict overall score, right? Like. It's a very small part of what we do. Things like strength endurance or anaerobic endurance tend to be better predictors of how you're going to perform in the open. All right, the fun part. So, in an effort to help the gym understand intent better, the idea of what the workouts are meant for, I'm going to change the naming conventions that you see on Beyond the Whiteboard for the different class pieces. And this will be permanent going forward. So you've seen for, for years now, you've seen like strength, conditioning, gymnastics, Olympic, like those have been the naming conventions we've used before the different pieces of the day. All that does is describe what we're doing. So it says Olympic and then you're doing Olympic lifting. Well, duh, like, <laughs> you know what that thing is, right? But what is the intent? What, is, what are you meant to get out of this? So because of that, and a lot of reflection thinking about it, we're going to change the naming conventions to look more like this. Oh. <laughs> New words! So the idea of... Can I read them out? It says Metcon Strength Practice Durability oh, Engine and Test. That's cool. New words. Yeah, that's very cool. For everyone listening. Yeah. So the idea is that you're going to be able to look at the thing and at a pretty good glance, broad brush, understand what the intent of that piece that day is. Let's use a few practical examples. Power clean, three, 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 three. If that's at Olympic before it, what happens when we come to the gym? Even if the coach is really good at explaining things, what happens? People try to max out their three rep max. Yeah, three rep max, right? If that said <laughs> practice in front of it, how would you approach that differently? You would try to move as technically good as possible for three reps each time, right? If we say strength and then six sets of five strict pull-ups, 
what's the intent of that workout? To get, to get stronger at that movement, right? So there's some people that might have to add load. There's some people that might have to decrease load with bands. But the idea is that we're getting better at this, this strict pull-up movement, trying to get stronger at it. It's not necessarily that we're going to scale it to something else or, um, or try and, you know, do five reps as quickly as possible. It should mean that, you know, we're thinking more about engagement, a little bit more tempo, really good core strength throughout the movement. It's the idea of reinforcing the strength of it. So I'm hoping that by kind of adopting this framework, it'll be easier to signal what the intent of the workout is and get you to match your approach to the workout to what we're trying to accomplish. And you'll be able to see where practice and test kind of fall in to the kind of routine of the, the week, hopefully roughly matching this whole pie chart idea, but I'm absolutely not going to add them up every week and do the math. If someone cares to do that, feel free. What do you mean by durability? Durability. Great one. I literally was just like thinking of the battery. Durability. <laughs> Durcell? Because it's always like... My, what I mean by durability, uh, trying to wrap a bunch of concepts into one, would be like a way of framing accessory work in such a way that you understand that it's meant to make you less fragile, less injury prone, overall more stable, um, system-wide strength, usually small muscle groups. Accessory like work. Do yeah. So when we do the bodybuilding stuff or we do single arm overhead um, carries or long farmer's carries, mm -hmm. most of that stuff is meant to improve your core strength or joint-specific stability, and we're trying to make you more durable. But it also is a way to train without adding a lot of extra strength or conditioning volume, right? Big presses, big pulls, big full-body compound movements. Trying to stay injury-free is one of the most important things that we do, especially if you're looking at adding a competitor's track piece on top of things. Right. So it's a, And the durability should signal to you that it's about movement quality. Okay. Over maximum load, right? Well, I have a question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Metcon and engine. What would be the difference between those two? Ooh, good That's one. Question. Was it? Yeah. Oh, right. So metabolic conditioning refers very broadly to your system approach to being able to uh, like attack work capacity, right? So you can do workouts in very different ways and get very different results or very similar results. So you could sprint stop, you can try and hold steady state, you can take more breaks, you can take less breaks depending on your focus. Metabolic conditioning is the catch-all term for strength and conditioning squished together for, or what we, you might, what some people on the outside might call CrossFit, right? Metcons, multiple different movements or planes of motion squished together into one thing. Engine work is designed to attack only your aerobic anaerobic system. So there's going to be a really big focus on rest times, work to rest ratios. And most of the time, the goal is to match your times or efforts from one effort to the next, to the next, to the next, not to max out on the first one and then die, die at so the like, end. So like today's, like today's, like today's, today's, today's workout, like would have the way that was written, I would write Metcon in front of that, not engine. Cause I, I would really want you in a Tabata style workout that way. I would want you to max out this type, the style of workout today at the beginning and die at the end. Why is that? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller. Bueller. Lactic acid tolerance. 
Lactic acid tolerance. That is the actual answer. Right? So rather than developing your aerobic system, I need engine. Yeah. So rather than developing your aerobic system, it's meant a workout like today is meant to allow you the opportunity to develop your lactic acid tolerance, which is a bad way of saying like how your strength endurance when you're fatigued, right? So you think about things like sumo deadlift high poles, like they got worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Because the intervals are so short, you really need to max out on the first few in order to feel that effect late into the workout. Right. Gotcha. And uh, strength and test, because you said that like three rep or uh, Ooh, the cleans, the power cleans, you did three, 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 three. Yeah. Most people would possibly see that as three rep max, but then. But then that like would a be a test. test would be like Wednesday when we did three, two, one. If you feel good, you can go for. So the the idea would be that this, the naming convention should tell you what the uh, last one is. Yeah. So if it says test, that means go for a PR oh, at okay. the end. Yeah. If it says strength, that means don't fail, get in the volume, right? Okay. The training volume is the priority, not mm-hmm. testing where we're at. So it's a better way to understand what the last couple reps of a strength piece might work look like as well. If it says test, you know, five, four, three, two, one, well, that's going to hurt. That's going to be a rough day. So, so a fight gone bad in engine, is that, or is a fight gone bad in Metcon? Oh, good question. It's classically a Metcon, and it should be probably approached that way. Karen said, rowing intervals is engine. And I was like, oh, yeah. Rowing intervals is engine. Running intervals is engine. Pure cardio. Anything where I'm like, I'm going to vomit. Or even some combinations of other low-skill movements can be be designed the same way. But the important thing is that strength endurance doesn't become a factor, right? Like super light power cleans, maybe, but not like 125 for girls power cleans. Yeah, exactly. Because strength endurance will become a bigger factor than your aerobic threshold at a certain point in that. Will the coaches be reminding us with these? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That might be totally clear. Knowing Patty made like a PDF form. And- there's, there's a PowerPoint. On- <laughs> <laughs> so throughout the competitor's track as well, will those new names be affecting so that if you want to cherry pick things that you want to get better at, for example, engine, and then you only have time to not do all the competitor's track. Oh, yeah. that's just, a good one. That's is that, good. Are you going to be able to yes. pick and choose perfect. the ones that are engine? Same, same naming conventions, same idea. Just don't want to ring your snatch every single yeah. Yeah. Or muscle-ups. I'm really my <laughs> Frank, what are you doing today? Ring muscle and snatch. <laughs> and just for clarity's sake, without getting it too convoluted, I'm not going to write, like, the distinction between strength and power for, like, Olympic lifting. It, it's not. No. Although I recognize there's a difference in, you know, specific physical capacity between back squats and power cleans, uh, I'm going to use the catch-all strength to denote the intent. I'm not going to get caught up in the idea of like trying to zero in on that specific scientific thing. Cool. All right. There's three things we're going to focus on this year. Hold on. Instagram stories. Oh no. Keep the beer. It makes us cooler. This is for the whole year? No. So this is between now and what I'm projecting to be the start of the next open. Because it, it makes for a very simple training block, right, to focus on what the next big thing is. Because there's an open starting what I think is going to be Thanksgiving weekend in October, based on my assessment. 
Um, we have about 31 weeks from tomorrow, today-ish, something like that. Yeah, it's winter. <laughs> yeah, and then it's winter. We have the open, then it's winter. <laughs> I like having the winters then the open. Yeah, the, the reason I say that weekend is because there's no way it's going to end on American Thanksgiving or even overlap with it. Yeah. So if you go back to the week before American Thanksgiving and work back five weeks, that's where you end up. So... All right, here we go. First thing, there should be no surprise to anyone. <laughs> so strict gymnastics. Strict gymnastics make a lot of sense for a focal point um, because when you work on strict gymnastics, all your kipping or dynamic variants get better anyways, right? So like we think building blocks, one improves the other, and there's a lot of carryover. Then you just need to do a little bit of skill work on the dynamic version, but the capacity is already there. We also we also tend as a gym our biggest weakness this year across the board against compared to every other gym was strict handstand push up strict gymnastics. We had a lot of people get some, get one, get two, but a lot of people that scored in the 90th percentile in the in the world in the first workout scored in like the 50th and 60th percentile in the world in the strict handstand push-up workout. So there's a clear disconnect between people's capacities there and our focus as a gym. What is that going to mean? That's going to mean different versions of strict gymnastic work, some of which might not be as sexy to people who are at the beginning because it might mean doing no gymnastics at all. What do I mean by that? If you're working on strict handstand push-ups, but you can't do them yet. We Just being upside down on your hands is not going to get you a strict handstand push-up. Seated dumbbell overhead presses is going to get you a strict handstand push-up at some point. So the goal is not to do the thing. It's to work on the building blocks that will get you there. So there'll be ways that we write the workout, like level one strict handstand push-ups day will be seated dumbbell overhead press. Level two will be strict handstand push-up variant, whatever the rep scheme is that day. That's one version of how strict handstand push-ups will get worked on. And that's more of a practice or strength day, right? A, a pure practice day might put strict handstand push-ups or your version of them in with a couple other skills in an EMOM, rotating stations between strict handstand push-ups, power cleans in a moderate weight, double unders or something like that where you rotate through over and over and over again. A little bit of fatigue induced, but every movement is really being done for quality and enough rest would be a sign that it's really not becoming a Metcon, right? There'd be cutoffs. You don't work beyond a certain point. You get at least a certain amount of rest and so on. Is that what you think happens on those 25 to 30 minutes on Saturday? You no. think we're resting? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're I'll, dying. I'll, okay. let you, I'll have you know. It's not happening. Right? So those you'll see like with practice next to them, and then you, you do know that those things are for quality. Okay, we'll work on it. The strict piece, and then the technical skill. So there's like three parts to that, right? Makes sense, right? There's the strength, the practice, and then learning the technical skill. The, so we'll address strict gymnastics that way. We're going to focus on uh, upper body, because, you know, pistols and stuff are super fun, but we do a lot of squatting volume. If we start also adding a lot of pistol volume practice, then that's good. 
We're not going to be feeling so great. We'll accept that. Cool? I'm, I'm I'll throw in some extra ankle mobility and mobility on Thursdays, everyone. There we yeah. go. Pistols are good. Just right? So we're going to focus a lot on upper body. You're going to th- see a big focus on strict handstand push-ups, ring dips, strict pull-ups. Those are kind of the big three. You will infrequently but still see strict ring muscle-ups sprinkled in and some work on that. We're doing this Lisa's ready. Anaerobic endurance. Specifically, squatting when we're tired. (laughs) Um, We see a disconnect in the gym between people's actual capacity in Olympic weightlifting, so their, their maximum lift numbers, and their ability to perform moderate volumes uh, at moderate weights repeatedly once they get fatigued. Uh, 19.2, the repeat being the perfect example. So squat cleans, you got lots of people that can squat clean quite a bit of weight, 275 in that ballpark, and still not progressing as quickly through the bars as they need to to get even three rounds into that workout. The answer for most people is that they lack one of two things in that specific workout, either core strength or anaerobic endurance. And if we look across the other workouts, people breaking up the wall balls and similar, anaerobic endurance seems to be the capacity that is most lacking. Squatting, moderate weights, under fatigue. Some people call this lactic threshold work. That hurts. How are we going to tackle that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I've been toying around. You might have seen Ollie and I doing some stuff the other day. I've been toying around with this thing called pulse squats. Um, I don't think that I like that. No. Can you demo right now? Yeah, sure. I'm a visual learner. You're a visual learner? I am. So in a pulse squat, you never extend and lock out your hips. You never get to unload Uh, your hips at the top. So you go from this position to up and back down on purpose. So we say full range of motion is intentionally locking out. Well, there's going to be actual efforts to not do that thing to keep the load on. What that does is it creates the burn much faster than a rest where you can lock out your hips at the top. So we can give you like a 95 or 135 pound barbell and go, okay, we're going to do 20 pulse pulse squats. And by number 14 and 15, your legs will scream. So that being part of like how we would do now like a strength and then we do a workout? Is that how you would put that in class? Could be in there. Um, Could be in stations as kind of um, part of a a mixed piece that has like some durability and some strength. Look at you go. Yeah, could be fun. A whole new world, four and a half years in. It's it's also going to mean that you're likely to see bursts of moderate intensity work with the rest built in, but single modality. So like power clean, you know, 20 reps at X weight, rest 90 seconds, power clean, 20 reps at X weight, rest 90 seconds, power clean, 18 reps at the next weight up. Gradually increasing with rest built in, so there's some recovery. And it's the weight. But it's your total time at the end that's the goal, right? So you're trying to do each segment as fast as possible and watching your own rest on the clock. Right. Okay. That's rough. Absolutely, because... I mean, there's a bunch of different ways that you get strong, physiologically speaking, right? The cross-section of your muscle gets larger, you get neurologically more efficient. But one way is that you get better at the at creating the action potential or the, the recovery cycle of the muscle fiber. So 
you won't get necessarily stronger at your one rep maxes. But you'll see things like your three, five, or even ten rep max go way up because of this kind of conditioning. When you max, match this up with engine work that makes you better at like uh, kind of clearing lactic acid, better blood flow, you know, better overall conditioning, you'll score or perform much better in workouts that look like 19.2 or you have to repeatedly do like increasing weight, decreasing rep, high intensity workouts. And just not needing to rest as long. Exactly. As Will this also play into like barbell cycling? Or, or Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Same, same principle. Same idea. Well, I'm in that. Number three. Oh, wah wah. <laughs> That's not as exciting. But let me explain. I already said this before. It was kind of the planted seed. There's 31 weeks between this open or between today and the next open. The actual number one priority between now and October is not getting hurt if you want to do your best. Because an injury of any real capacity is six to 12 weeks of not training that thing. That's 30 to 50% of your training time, depending on when this happens, right? If we don't, if you are injured because of not taking care of your body, your next open probably won't go that well for you. There's just not enough time right now between this open and the next one. Does that make sense to everybody? So your number one priority is actually staying healthy and being able to consistently train. As soon as the wheels come off that bus, 31 weeks is going to vanish. It's going to just happen. It's the summer, right? Barbecues, rib fest, you know, whatever you're into. It's over. So staying injury-free and shoring up the weak points, that's better core strength, you know, better shoulder stability, improving your overall mobility, flexibility, stability kind of framework. And a lot of your lifts will get better through durability work. Uh, we didn't have a lot of time to work on it before the open, but we started to add a lot more hip thrusts. We saw this more regularly. A lot of people in the room's squats will go up quite a bit by focusing mostly on the hip thrust mm -hmm. because it's your, really your glutes and hip flexors that are the weak points, not your quadriceps. As CrossFitters, your quadriceps are trained to death. We smash those things like five times a week, Right. Being able to focus on the specific muscle groups that are not getting as much direct effort is one way to increase your overall big complex lifts like the back squat, like the deadlift. More good mornings, you know, more hip thrusts, more tempo squats, all that kind of durability work that we can build into it rather than maxing out strength potential. Okay, so that's what we're going to focus on overall. This summer, because of the window, doesn't really allow us to effectively run a classic strength cycle like we have in years past where we do like 16 weeks of every Monday doing the back squat or whatever. There's just not enough training time. There's, you know, 31 times 5, 100 155 training sessions between now and the next open-ish. So if we give up, you know, 20 of them to the back squat, that's a pretty big chunk of training time. So running that specific dedicated strength cycle 
will give us less bang for buck this time around, and then we'll be able to move into that true off season after the next open because the time of year will change. And that's also a lot of fun because it's also Christmas time, so you just get to like eat big, <laughs> eat big, lift big, yeah, <laughs> as the saying goes, and get super strong then. But then there'll still be squatting in competition, so if you're truly missing it, or in the it, competitor's track. They yeah, can, like, like the, cherry pick, and you're like, oh, it's like three by three by three, and I can just do some back squats this week because I really miss them. Yeah, there'll still be lots of squatting. Like, there'll still be lots of variants of squatting. You're just not going to see that progressive, like, you know, this week five, we got 5-3-1, we got, you know, 5-5-5, five, 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 and next week 3-3-3, three, 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 and then 5-3-1, and then percentage, and then volume deload. You're going to see a more varied version. So you'll get like back squat, six sets of five this week. And then two weeks later, you'll get front squat, you know, seven, 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 seven. And then the week after you'll get, you know, back squat, one, 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 or something like that is more likely. So way more variance, less percentage based work. Okay. In your ability, will there be more unilateral work? More, not, ne not necessarily more. I think overall, especially even in our conditioning, we've introduced a lot more unilateral work in the last oh, year. Oh, totally. Um, you're just likely to see more unilateral work pop up in strength portions. So like back rack lunges for strength. Everyone hates that day. <laughs> um, single arm standing dumbbell press. Ooh, fun. That kind, of, that kind of thing. You also see it in durability quite a bit. And then in the Metcons, where we have, like, pistols, lunges, box step-ups, okay. all that gotcha. kind of jazz. I've noticed you've been doing a lot of bench press lately. Is that just a fluke, or is that... <laughs> Didn't we just do it once? No. no. Like three times. Have we? Oh. Great break. Better get ready for me. <laughs> 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 you want to the actual reason we've done a lot of bench press lately is that in the open, there tends to be a disordinate amount of overhead pressing. So like every workout basically ends up with your hands over your head. Um, so it's actually just more of an opportunity to do some pressing without introducing more overhead volume because we do so much of it for five weeks while the open goes on. Um, I'm sure none of the bros are complaining. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just, it's nothing more complicated than that. We did a bunch of push-ups the week after the open and we did some more bench press throughout because Basically, the whole open, you might as well just put your arm, like, overhead thrusters, overhead lunges, strict handstand push-ups. Wall balls. Wall balls. Gymnastics, period. Like, it's just constant yeah. overhead. So, it's more that it's a strength development without doing the dynamic, kind of, like, injury-prone stuff. Is this, these, um, the focuses, is that for the, we're going to see that in the competitor's track, or is that the focus for... That's the overall focus for the gym. So you'll see it sprinkled throughout about 50-50 between the class and the competitor stuff as you go forward. But I think, like, most of them, you can see how they clearly carry over to everyday fitness. Like, being more durable is really good for overall fitness. Anaerobic endurance is, like, the thing people think of coming across it for. So, like, we yeah, most people like getting stronger, but a lot of people that run or row or did other things outside of here. Um, I wish Scott Simmons was in the room so I could, like, jab at him right now. <laughs> I'll jab at the rower instead. You come for the more anaerobic piece, right? The Metcon, the lactic burn, the lungs dying on the ground feeling. Yes, we love that. Big Obviously, muscle. Yeah. And then strict gymnastics, like, as the foundation of all our other gymnastics movements, just makes sense for the gym as a whole. It will reinforce our position that people should have the strict capacities before they're doing a lot of swinging, kipping around anyways. So 
it's overall good for the gym to kind of go in that direction. All right, open forum. All of your questions. Maybe you should explain how to get to the competitors' tracks so some people don't know how to get at it. Come on, be on the whiteboard. All right, be on the whiteboard, lesson. Not from your iPhone. On the little, yeah, you can do it. The little oh, here. Oh, you can do it from like this internet, not the app. You can do it from the app too. Yeah. yeah. You just have to, yeah. Someone has to add you to the track, right? No, you can add yourself. You can add yourself. So I'm going to do it right now. Oh, there you go. Visual demo. That's what I said. Maybe there needs to be a lesson. Yeah. So in the top left, although the internet's not great back here with so many people, because there's just a lot of, oh, there we go. In the top left, your little thingy pops out a little settings oh. account screen, your little button. Under account options, follow tracks. You get to pick all the tracks that you're following in the gym that are available. Switch gyms. <laughs> hey, now. The Invictus ones are great. <laughs> There's a bunch of paid ones at the bottom, too. They suck you in. So if you check off those ones, they're going to ask you for money. Um, but the gym ones are at the top under the gym tracks, and some are available, and some you have to be signed into, like the weightlifting one. You have to be on the team training in order to get on the weightlifting track. Um, right now. So you have some options there to, to flip through and see what's going on. So is that different from what you see on the website when you go to today's workout is? No. No. It's not, it's, it's not different. It's the same stuff. It's just by following that track, you get direct access to it. So you can click on it, log it, put in your time scores, see the leaderboards, do all that stuff to go along with it. Yeah. A little easier to navigate. You know how um, vendors used to say, like, pre or post? Does it matter? It still does. So I actually sent an email to be on the whiteboard, the people that write our app, to ask them to fix this. Because when they rolled out the latest app version, they stopped showing pre slash post. So when I write the programming and put it in me on the whiteboard, I've, I've still been picking which one it is. And if you go to the actual website and look, I think it still shows on the web, like on CrossFit.com or CrossFitIronstone.com, it still shows whether it's supposed to be pre or post. But it's an, something they changed in this version of the app where you can't see it automatically if it's pre meant to be pre or post. That's just to help you figure out what order you should do and do things in. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, doing it is the best, but if you can get the order right, even better. This might be beyond and completely impossible no, for you guys to like organize, but um, sometimes the competitor's stuff involves turf. And it's scheduled on the day that the turf is all being used by other classes. Um, it, is it, it just impossible to consider that at all, or it's it's almost impossible. And the main reason why is because that class, like we only have one of those classes a day if they happen. So it's one hour out of the date, the time that we're open, that that space is technically unavailable. So, like as far as a class, like the balance classes yeah. go. Especially in the summer, like it's only going to become more difficult, I guess. It, it, yeah, working the timing right is one of the most difficult parts of following competitors' track stuff on your own. Admittedly, for everyone, right? Timing, space, but I mean that's the opportunity because there's so few people, few, so few people that follow it to introduce some of the weirder stuff like ski ergs, assault bikes, rope climbs that we don't do nearly as much because it's more limited equipment. I guess. Also, maybe I like understood the question as 
can we not do sled pushes on Tuesdays? <laughs> Example, <laughs> Tuesday nights are the busiest nights on yeah. the turf. So could you maybe program sled pushes on any other day of the week <laughs> but Tuesdays? Is that maybe. kind of why you went? Well, there's, just, there's just there's been a few times where I just always like, find there's like oh, sled yeah, pushes yeah. and we're like, oh, well, yeah. I guess, yeah. The competitors is the salt bike and the porch class or something else is like using the assault bikes for the next two hours. It seems. And maybe I'm not, I mean, it feels I'm not like it's not the end of the world. I've always managed to figure something out. It's not. If there's specific trends with specific pieces of equipment, I can probably address that. But like working around the classes, not so much because they're only one hour. Yeah. They're only one hour a day. Is there a reason why they're opposite times? Like why can't they start at the same? Like why is one at 530? Mostly because of the parking lot. So, like, you can't typically have that many people arrive all at the same time. So, by staggering the classes and start times, it decreases the amount of, like, chaos of people arriving, trying to split up into two groups. It, everyone coming at once, everyone leaving at once. Like, usually the people that linger here between after the 5 o'clock class, they linger to, like, 6, you know... 15, 6.30, and then they're out the door, and then their parking spots are empty, and then the people are coming for balance later. There's kind of room for them to... It's technically my life set. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Hooray. And maybe competitors could be programmed in the summer in the, where we're doing stuff in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> where we're tire flipping or something. That kind of movement. Just stuff. It's hard to carve out space on the turf. Yeah, it is. And it, I it's think it probably nice. affects the yeah. people that come at 6.15. More than anyone else. And you yeah. probably also never knew this because you're, you you're not here. So it's just yeah. like good yeah. to know. You're like, okay. Yeah. And if it happens, then you're just like, oh, programming. Oh, maybe I'll just be. Feed, feedback cycle. So, like, that's that stuff does matter. I didn't, like exactly. Lisa said, I'm not here a lot. Just like in the evening in the at 715 range stretch. where people are. What about yeah. if, like, all the competitors programming went out for the week at once? So then if you had to, if you're like, okay, everyone's on the turf, like this one, today's is out, but you want to still want to do something. Could that ever work? That's like, I like it. So there's two problems. Why do you that. like that, Jessica? <laughs> no, why? Jen likes it because she wants to do more volume when she's not supposed to. And she does <laughs> a number fours. <laughs> we know you so well. Um, there's two, there's two parts to my answer. It's not outside the realm of possibility. Just like it's not outside the realm of possibility for me to, to switch the way I tackle putting the programming up. Right now, I do it all. Every night at 11 is when I put the programming up oh, you go to online. Bed so late. I, I thought you did it in the morning life. at like 5. No. <laughs> He'll like go to bed and I'm like, it's 11.47 and if I'm working. I'm like, oh my God. That's like a schedule in advance or anything? You can't, unfortunately, do that. So it's he has an Excel spreadsheet. That's not me. Mikey. Mikey, be on the whiteboard. Chat. Chat. So I only have two options. I can either put it all up at once, like into whatever, just whatever time frame I decide and do a big block, or I can do it nightly. And there's no automated way to have that show up, unfortunately. So the problem with putting the competitors piece up all at once, but not doing that with the rest is that the order also matters in the week, right? Right. So 
Like, I don't want you, you shouldn't to... shouldn't really be picking Wednesdays I shouldn't, to do it on Monday. I shouldn't... Exactly. I shouldn't be doing Wednesdays to better stuff with Monday's work as a way to get around, away from using the turf or something like that, ideally. Would it... Hmm. What I think I could do that might help would be to bump everything back a day so that... And this is literally me thinking this on the spot, so bear with me as I talk this out. But if on Sunday nights I put up... Tuesday's workout and Monday's had already been up on Saturday. So now you have a. Because then you have a block of time where you can select. If you if you have flexibility to select a different class that day because you want to do that Tuesday. Competitors piece, you have a little bit more flexibility knowing what you're going to be doing going into it. Just change the whole thing. Just put the whole gym as a turf. It would be nice to have at least the Friday competitors. Put up when the Friday workout like up. on Thursdays. Yeah. Yeah. When you go in on Thursday, if you're doing Friday's workout and you're oh, sitting, yeah. sitting there and you're like, okay, well what else do you do? You... I, I agree with you. And I'll make you a deal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll not do them all on Wednesday. <laughs> Just cat here so she can yeah, she'll melt you come in on Friday rest days. So the reason like everything I've done, there's always been a reason, although some of them are easier to argue me out of than others. <laughs> the reason historically the competitor stuff for Fridays doesn't go up on Wednesdays is because people will use the competitor stuff on Thursdays as their extra workout, and then they'll also come to Friday class and never take a rest day. They'll do seven days in a row using the competitor's pieces to fill in the extra days. I yes. will say when you say that you don't put it up till Wednesday, you might as well say Thursday because it's so late on Wednesday night that it's literally like one more minute. It's Thursday. Yeah. yeah. So when you put it up on Thursday. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> Not that I look to plan ahead of time. So yes, that is possible. I'm more than willing to give it a try. Can you used to put them all as a weekly thing? Like in, on the Monday, you would have the whole week. I feel like maybe like first year I was No. So when we do off-season strength cycles, I put the whole strength template in because it's the same because it's the same days every week, but I never put the conditioning or the metcons in. So I would always just fill in like back squat, strict press, deadlift for forever and ever and ever. There's like sometimes when he wants you to like see a workout to like mentally prepare for it that he puts it in ahead of time. Like remember there was one that kept moving like yeah. every <laughs> and then we did it five weeks later and we're like finally we're doing this stupid dumb dead quad. What yeah. was it? There was it was something that had running in it and it literally rained every Saturday. Yeah, it rained like every Saturday. But I wanted to do it so bad. It was terrible. So I have a, I have a question about not necessarily wanting to be a competitor in the open, okay. but potentially competing, and of course I have some yes, special interests, um, in other, like, Olympic. so let's say you wanted to do Olympic weightlifting, but you weren't sure you wanted to be on the Olympic weightlifting team. Okay. How could you coordinate that? That's a really good question. So, the first thing you have to do is decide <laughs> which thing is the priority. Yes. So you have to decide if you're a weightlifter that likes to be conditioned or if you're a CrossFitter that wants to dabble in weightlifting. Which you'll never be competitive with then. So which like, one are you? Right. A or B? Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, so that the reason you have to decide what the order is is because that assigns the training volume, like the amount of time that you're dedicating to one thing or the other. Okay. So once you decide what the order is, then 
you can make a plan of attack. If the answer is you're a weightlifter that wants to be conditioned, then we have in the new version of the weightlifting program, we have something called the accumulation track, which is basically three days a week of dedicated weightlifting programming. Three days a week allows you to fill in the rest with other non-conflicting conditioning pieces. I would argue the best fits for someone that wants to do that are things like the combusted class or forge that's more bodybuilding style, less squatting and snatching and pulling volume because you're already going to be doing a bunch of it in the weightlifting. If that's, you want to be a weightlifter who's relatively conditioned, that might be the best fit. If you want to be a crossfitter who competes in weightlifting, you've probably got enough weightlifting volume in at this point. You need more technical feedback, go to the weightlifting Sunday class, get the technical piece, and you need more weightlifting, snatch and clean and jerk specific volume, do the competitors weightlifting pieces. Then in the five weeks before a meet, specialized for five weeks, I just did this in the fall and I had great success doing this. Lisa's done this five times now, has great success doing the same thing. Once you have the training volume under your belt, the skill specificity is, if you just want to be a casual weightlifter and you're not worried about taking home medals, the skill specificity is already there. You just need to reinforce it for five weeks before you go out there. Because the technical sport doesn't necessarily rely on your maximum output. You can snatch as much as you can snatch. You can clean and jerk as much as you can clean and jerk. If your goal is just to get on the platform and do that thing, then three or four kilos in either direction isn't really going to change your day. It's getting out there and putting up total for most people. If you decide at that point that you want to be a weightlifter, it's the next step, right? So can you be a CrossFitter and do a weightlifting competition? Absolutely. Can you do really well? Absolutely. There's lots of people in the room. There's lots of people in the room who have done it. I said, you can do great, you're in, Graham. Oh, yeah, no. I was just asking more generally. <laughs> you were talking about doing Olympic weightlifting more competitively without joining yeah. the Olympic weightlifting right. team. We were talking about that while we were watching the Olympic Atlantic mm -hmm. Cup. So it was a question. A general absolutely. question. Absolutely. Yeah, and you okay. absolutely can. For sure. And there is enough people that are in that boat now that it would be easy to to like kind of carve off a separate group of people that want to gear up for a specific competition, but do CrossFit the rest of the time. They don't feel like they need to competitively train for weightlifting only. We have three fourth in progress NCCP weightlifting coaches in the gym. Jacob is one, me, Morgan, hi Morgan in the back. <laughs> and uh, Kate, who's on the weightlifting team is also a coach in training. So so that is a possibility for those that don't want to get up going to class. <laughs> right. Exactly. And want to participate in the fall. Yeah. That something can be orchestrated so that yeah. they can do both. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> hmm? You're like, yes, you're saying yes. There's just been a handful of people that are like, oh, yeah. I, just, I, I and it just like wasn't like a general thing, like yeah. hasn't been talked about. And we're just kind of like, well, I don't want to not do class. Like, I like working out with my friends, and I like sweating to stress release. So yeah. it just wasn't stated in another option. And I think the other thing as well is that the weightlifting, like, there's only two classes a week, right? And yeah. if you miss one because you're working or something, it's kind of hard to... Yeah. So there's this... And I'll just amplify that a little bit. Theirs aren't really classes. They're not run like a class. They're team training sessions. So they have predetermined programming that they get from Jacob every week that tells them exactly what they're supposed to lift each week. And they're just doing that thing under a watchful eye as a group. But really most of the time they have four days a week of programming. They're coming in lifting on their own over and over and over and over again. 
Yeah, that's de- like the competitive yeah. weightlifting group is definitely a different track than yeah. what I was referring to. Yeah, you know, yeah. what yeah. I'm saying is I, like, I, like I would like to be able to do more weightlifting and then eventually do something like like the competition. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not going to be giving up coming here to the gym as a social like social yeah. thing mm-hmm. and overall fitness thing to be able to do the weightlifting class or the weightlifting kind of like programming where I know that maybe like out of the month, I might not be able to show up to four of the eight yeah. classes or, or courses that are done while Jacob's watching me, like, you know, totally. I, I'd still be able to do the, the rest of the work by myself, but that's not really what I'm looking for. Right? Exactly. So I think that's kind of nice to be able to maybe have that middle ground. Mm-hmm. Someone that wants to compete as a one like, thing or. Yeah. yeah, it's like if you're you're golfing and everyone feels like they're shooting 100 right now, but everyone just wants to be an okay golfer to like 80. Yeah, I mean, no one wants to be the best in the world. Like I, I think I don't know. I think that's a vibe I'm getting in the room. Like, um, I like everyone wants to be a better weightlifter because they think it will benefit other things as well. Yeah, but maybe not like go full tilt. I get it. Yeah. Or, or maybe get you it. don't have the time or the commitment to go full tilt if you yeah. want to. Yeah, it seems like it's as well. Like all, all in, and yeah. all out. It, like you it, want to be an okay golfer, but also if there's anyone in the, in the room that gets us, it's me and Lisa. We've both been there and have done that a few times. Yeah, you're like, around. oh my god, look at these two cool things. All right, let's try this out. Awesome. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Frank's like, just like drop the. He's like, I asked my question <laughs> and I'm leaving. Uh, Bye guys. I work tomorrow. I'm gonna go sleep and work on my durability. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Questions. What options do we have if we have like certain weaknesses that are not addressed in classes or competitors' workouts? Because Great. I only started like half a year ago, and I have like so many movements I want to work on. <laughs> Great question. Can you give me, I will ask just for the sake of trying to frame my answer specifically to you, do you have a specific example of a weakness you would like to work on? Pull-ups. Pull-ups. Okay. Every pull-up muscle. All right. So, gymnastics in general, the three pieces we covered before, there's the strength piece, uh, which is typically not an issue. There's the strength endurance, like the volume piece for a lot of people. And then there's a technical skill, right? So we can always get better at the technical skill. The problem with the something like the pull-up, is there's not a, a way you can really scale the pull-up to work on the skill without adding additional training volume. That's the problem with gymnastics in general, right? If I want to get better at muscle-ups and work bar muscle-ups as a really good example and work on the skill of bar muscle-ups, I have to, in fact, do more bar muscle-ups, which means I'm adding training volume in the, the pulling motion to my program, right? So it has to be in general, thoughtful for gymnastics, where something like weightlifting, you can do a lot of stuff with percentages that are so low compared to your maximum that they're basically not a stimulus, right? If you do come in and do 10 sets of 10 snatches at 40% of your max, this will have no impact on your overall training at all because the percentage is so low. Does that make sense to everybody? We're good there? So for gymnastics in particular... There's a few different ways to tackle it. Uh, one is to get better at the technical skills. So you, we're planning to run more gymnastics workshops over the summer where we work on the skill pieces. We had a pull-up one in February. It was really well received. People loved it. We'll do the same thing again. So work on the technical pieces. 
second is getting the right is is talking to a coach and, and getting the right scale to effectively use in all of the versions of the classes where we're doing pull-ups in some kind of conditioning piece, right? So getting the right version that works on your weaknesses. And then the third piece for something that's more general and broad, maybe not pull-ups, maybe something like muscle-ups, is more one-on-one -on -one coaching time. There's going to be time built into classes, but again, back to the beginning, class is designed to deliver the most efficient programming and, and fitness for the whole group. So we're going to give you lots of coaching in the class as much as we can give you, but we're going to give tons to everybody else, all 18 people in class as well. If there's a thing that's like hounding you that you just want to work on, we have options for things we call skill sessions, which are 30-minute sessions with one of our coaches where you warm up on your own. So that whole 30 minutes is you, them, dedicated skill work, just the two of you working on whatever that thing is until your time's up. And we're sending four coaches on the, the CrossFit Gymnastics course in April 13th, next weekend. So there'll be lots of good, solid options to work on those specific skills after they get back because they're going to reinforce the parts that we as a gym tend to be weakest at, which is gymnastics movements as a whole. Right? That would be really great for your coaches to have yeah. people to coach after they come back. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to have people to coach. They're going to have... <laughs> and Graham, are you in sales? <laughs> they're going to have workshops to run right. that are going to help them reinforce those skills right away. And it's going to be good old warm time. Warm-up drills? Warm-up drills. Great. The thing about about skills, there's a concept for something like gymnastics called greasing the groove, where you can do such a low volume, but with such frequency that has no training impact, but it really helps you. So if you were to do three pull-ups a day, just three, you would find that in, you know, lots of people have done this, if you do three pull-ups a day, every day, you would find that in like four months, you could suddenly do 20. And it's not because you got way stronger it's because you've become so neurologically efficient at doing the pull-up that you're not wasting a lot of body position and energy mm. doing that movement. So with gymnastics, you can do really small chunks of practice, but it's a dangerous territory to go in to compulsively do the same thing over and over and over again every single day trying to get better at it, right? You can't do muscle-ups every day to get better at muscle-ups. Sorry. <laughs> you can do the technical pieces that lead to a muscle-up, kip swings, uh, shoot through drills, low ring work, transition drills, but you can't do muscle ups every day necessarily to get better at muscle ups. And that's the, the type of skill homework that you get from coming to a workshop when we run them, from doing skill sessions, and then from the few coaching class sessions that we'll dedicate to that specific skill stuff. Hopefully that's more general and good answer. Who's back there hiding? Anyone? Mike? Yeah. Um, I guess this is more like to like durability and injury prevention. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned at the beginning that the competitors um, had like a higher risk of in injury. Is that because there's like specific movements or groups of movements that are more injury prone? And maybe you could go into some examples. Yeah. For what to look out for. So. Like, so there's, there's very few good quality published studies on CrossFit and other sport in general. The ones that are demonstrate that CrossFit has lower injury rates than most other monostructural sports. Think like running, rowing, that kind of thing. 
the more you repeat the same motion over and over again, the more likely it is you are to experience chronic injury related to that overuse patterns, right? Poor positioning, it can be poor positioning, it can be predisposition, there's a bunch of reasons, but the more you do a specific thing, the more likely you're to develop a chronic injury related to that thing. The broader your stimulus, the more CrossFit you're CrossFit, the less chronic nagging injuries you're likely to pick up from repeating the same motions over and over and over again. As long as your program is volume controlled for things like overhead pressing, squatting volume, and pulls from the floor. Those are kind of the three main domains that lead to like chronic patterns. Competitive CrossFit is a reduced version of CrossFit. It's more specificity in moderate to high-level skills, things like bar muscle-ups, ring muscle-ups, ring dips, handstand push-ups. Those movements, those movement patterns themselves are, are more predisposed to injury because it's high technique under high fatigue. And because you're repeating more of the same specific motions, you also have a slightly increased injury risk. So because of those two factors kind of linking together, the more competitive CrossFit you do, the more likely it is you're going to pick up nagging chronic injuries if you're not managing your rest, durability, you know, eating, all that stuff. Right. Does that make sense? So it, it's a it's a trade-off, right? You, if you're not particularly good at understanding your own body and knowing when you have to rest more and knowing when you have to eat more, adding something like the competitor's track can be detrimental to your kind of short-term fitness because you can find that you pick up these little nagging bugs. Like if you play any competitive sport, right? You play a lot of hockey, you play a lot of basketball, you play a lot of rugby. <laughs> My favorite stitches every year in the summer, friends. If you do any competitive sport, you know, contact or not, no contact, gymnastics, those kinds of things lead to high risk of injury because you're repeating the same things over and over again. So would you just recommend for someone to start with once or twice a week adding competitors track and then building up your tolerance? Absolutely. Scaling competitors? Scaling competitors track, although there's not necessarily a coach there. There's lots of other people around that can help you make those decisions. You got to scale appropriately, still get the right stimulus. So get the right time domain, try and figure out what the point of the workout is. It's supposed to be short and fast. It's supposed to be light. It's supposed to be moderate. It's supposed to be heavy. And it'll be all that. Yeah, it'll be, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. It's not going to say like light, moderate, he right. or heavy, no, no, but it's no, going to no. say the intent. The, the intent of it. But there's that piece. And then there's adding when it makes sense. So like I'm in a phase in my life right now where I'm so busy that class five day, days a week is already a stretch. I'm lucky if I squeeze in one or maybe two days of extra competitors based on the amount I rest. It has less to do with my level of busyness and more with, to do with, as you can judge from when the programming goes up, the amount of sleep I'm getting. <laughs> so if I was to start adding three more days a week of competitors programming, I would be taking myself and just driving my straw straight into the ground. That's where I'd end up, right? So it's about managing your overall volume. And, and if you need to talk to, to CAD and do the nutrition thing and eat more or whatever you need to do, you've got to kind of manage it overall. I would think about adding like, one day in the beginning and then two weeks later adding another day and seeing how that goes and then maybe a third day and like ride that out for a while and prioritize the things that look like your weaknesses. So if you tend to be weak in strength, weak in weightlifting, tend to add those more often as the things that you choose. If you tend to be weak in conditioning, tend to add those more often in the things you choose. If you tend to do community class every Saturday, which is a super common one for a lot of people, Community class is moderate to high volume body weight movements, right? So the competitors, but stuff you pick extra probably doesn't have to be 
body weight or light moderate conditioning workouts, you probably need to be adding more strength training or weightlifting or gymnastics volume because that's the stuff that doesn't show up in something like community class. We awesome. I got a question. Yes. So class makeup. Use the new naming conventions. Yeah. I would say previously it's always been strength back on some durability. Is that going to change in the new focus, or is it going to kind of continue in that form? What do you mean by it's always been? In my experience, I generally just do class. Yeah. And it's almost always strength back on. It's, I mean, I don't you do a lot of Saturdays. Yeah, like, you just never use those words. Well, I guess yeah, I mean, well, the class generally post, like, made up of a strength part and then a metcon at the end. So, if you've been really closely watching the last probably year and a half, that isn't as true. True, so, I would give you that. But, for the most part, yeah. <laughs> I would say it has gravitated a bit more. I'm just wondering, like, is it going to continue like that? Or are right, we going like to see more, like, like more, more, engine, parts. more engine, more practice? Because I feel like practice is low. Mm-hmm. you're likely to see kind of a relative ratio that reflects our priorities moving forward. So you'll, there's been stuff that's been out there before that may have had the intent of being more practiced that wasn't really treated that way. Like example, right. like you have 10 minutes to work on handstand holds. Yeah. Like, is that considered a test or a practice? Yeah, it will yeah, be, it, de- it would be denoted that way. Right. So yeah. the intent will be more clear with the naming conventions. And then I think we've kind of gravitated to like, away from complex two-part workouts. So usually if the strength is complex, the conditioning piece, if it's the same day, is very short and very non-technical. Where we have more condition, like complex metcons, you see very limited accessory or durability style workouts, like three sets of 10 barbell good mornings, very easy to set up, very easy to run pieces at the end so that coaches can maximize their ability to coach the important parts of that day and we can get the stimulus right. So the way it's been for the last year where... When the workout is moderate to long, the accessory or extra stuff is really short and direct. And then when the strength is really involved, the extra conditioning piece is really direct is what you're likely to see more often moving forward, that kind of dynamic mismatch with nothing extra on days where you have long hero workouts or really complex, complex, highly technical workouts that require extensive technical warmups. That makes sense. And you're going to see kind of a, a makeup of this that reflects these training priorities. I guess what I see is missing from class is the engine work. Like we do some of it, yeah, but it gets sprinkled in rarely. I guess that is my interpretation. I'm just wondering if that's going to change a bit. Probably not much from what we saw last summer. So maybe it's been a little bit less over the last seven months. The last summer we were doing rowing or running intervals pretty much. Yeah, we saw pretty regularly every you know ten days or so approximately. Cool. So is that making a comeback? Is it making a comeback? Yeah. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. All right, homies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.